Kemba, 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 you tantalizing tempest in a wonderfully tight t-shirt. Kemba, baby. Hello, me Kimba, radio broadcast episode 17, fame. Uh, this one, I put the question to you, who do you think is the most famous person that I have interviewed? Because I'm often asked that question, and it is quite subjective. Sometimes it's really who is your favorite person. It's not necessarily that they're the most famous. I get all that. So I came up with four people in a music category and four people who would fall into the actor celebrity category. So the four people in music, Barbara Streisand, Paul McCartney, B.B. King, Prince, for the acting and celebrity world, Jane Fonda, Jack Hanna, Henry Winkler, and Sybil Shepard. And it was hard to do to narrow it down to four because I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people or interview a lot of people in person over the phone. And I just tried to narrow it down who might be a little more worldwide famous. And you voted. And while the actor celebrity category was extremely close, extremely tight, the music category was kind of a runaway with the top two. And I will talk about the top two vote getters in each category. So the second most votes in the actor celebrity category was Jane Fonda. Now on Grace and Frankie on Netflix, this interview came about because one of her books was being released on paperback. This is from June 22nd, 2012. And she is on the line. Academy Award winning actress, activist, aerobicizer, author, Miss Fonda. Hello. Hi there. Hi. You're I, very chipper. I am very chipper. That's because we just won the NBA championship. So we're a little excited around here. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Whoa. I didn't do it personally, but you know. <laughs> Your New York Times bestseller, Prime Time, Love, Health, Sex, Fitness, Friendship, Spirit, Making the Most of All Your Life, now a Random House trade paperback. What women can learn from reading this book? Yeah, men really like it, too, for somewhat different reasons. They, they go right to the sex chapters. You know, aging doesn't have to be what we used to think it was. When you're born, you peak at midlife and decline into decrepitude. It can, in fact, be like ascending a staircase. You can ascend into pulchritude. Pulchritude. Wisdom, enlightenment. Or you're just a throbbing vat of good advice. Well, maybe it's because I've spent... A good deal of time in the trenches. Eventually, with age and with some accumulation of wisdom, you become that 10-year-old again who says, I'll have what I want. As an author, but especially as a woman, what is your take on the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon? Oh, I'm just so happy that it's out there. I think it's so great that women, it, it's a turn-on. It's sexy. It, you know, it's not the best writing in the world, but who cares? Take that being turned on into your relationships. So you're cool with the furry cuffs then? Well, it's not my trip, but um, <laughs> everybody's... Because I thought maybe I'd write my own. I was going to say, do novel. you ever consider, you know, now that you've seen how that's worked out, writing your own? Well, I've thought about it, but mine, well, I've, I've read real ones. This one is a kind of a easygoing one. Half the calories. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Jane Fonda, Prime Time. It's a great read. Thank you. I hope you don't mind. I've been waiting to say this. You, Jane, me, Kimba. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Jane Fonda. Thank oh, you. But if she felt that strongly about Fifty Shades, imagine her discussing WAP. <laughs> Too soon? The second most votes in the music category was Prince. Such a huge fan of Prince. Uh, unfortunately, I have no pictures and I only met him. I didn't get to interview him. I will forget my own name before I will forget that I met Prince. Originally, I didn't remember what the actual event. I knew it was some radio thing, but luckily, a, a friend of mine 
Thanks, Richard. He posted the invite. So there was probably about, I want to say, a thousand people, maybe. And when he did perform, I pushed and I shoved my way up to that stage. So the stage was a little higher. And he was, he kept walking by and his pants were so tight. It was delicious. I say we because it was several of my coworkers were invited to do a meet and greet after the show. This is the time though, when when he was going by the unpronounceable symbol. The symbol was from 1993 to 1999. He was the artist formerly known as Prince or the artist. And then he signed with Arista in 98, but he didn't start going by Prince again until 2000. So it was close because we were, this was October 9th of 1999. But the longer we're waiting in line, the more nervous I'm getting because I'm thinking, what am I going to say to Prince? I adore this man. My favorite, favorite song is I Want to Be Your Lover. It's one of his first and it's still one of my favorite. What am I going to say to this man when I finally I'm standing in front of him, his beautiful face. Finally, he comes out with Clive. So they're standing there. Oh, my God. And uh, the line starts moving. And the gentleman in front of me was an older gentleman. I want to say 60s, more likely 70s, an older guy. All of my colleagues, I happen to be first in line. I probably might have shoved my way there, too, <laughs> just in case he changed his mind. <laughs> the older gentleman gets to Prince, says something. And Prince gives him the biggest smile and then hugs him and they're laughing and chit-chatting. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. what? And I still have no idea what I'm going to say to him. You know, I just don't want to walk in and go, I love you. Guy walks away. I'm now standing in front of Prince. And I just went, what he said. Because <laughs> I figured if that got a hug and a smile, what he said. Well, Prince misunderstood me. And thought I said, what did he say? I would never be so rude as to, hey, what, what was your private conversation with this guy about? But he thought I said, what did he say? And he was not offended. He proceeded to lean into me. He put his right hand on my left shoulder and then leaned in and had his mouth right on my ear. And he said, he told me he would never disrespect me by calling me by my former name. I'm sure I mumbled something or nodded and was like, that's great. I, I know I didn't say a whole lot, but because I'm, I'm like, Prince has his hands on me and he's whispering in my ear. And then he kind of gave me a little hug. And I went over to Clive. Well, apparently this wasn't common for him to have that kind of reaction because Clive, and he's like, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Because I, I guess he figured, oh, well, if Prince had that reaction to her, once our group cycled through, they were all like, Kimba, what did you say to him? Oh, my God, he hugged me. He was just like shaking, you know, shook hands with us and be on your way. And it was really all based on Prince misunderstanding, mistaking what I was trying to say. But I'll take it. Now we move on to number one, the number one pick for the most, according to you, your votes for the favorite famous actor or celebrity. And that would be Henry Winkler in Barry, Arrested Development. Royal Pains, Monty, The Water Boy. He writes children's books, sure. And then the iconic Fonzie. This was July 1st, 2006. I introduced him as sometimes author and one time Arthur, and he really enjoyed that introduction. Here it is, July 1st, 2006, with Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is here. And this is one of those moments, if you had told me way back 
when I was a kid watching Happy Days that years later I'd be sitting across from the actor who made Fonzie Fonzie. (laughs) I would have said, oh, sure. And one day I won't have to get up to change the channel on the TV. So this is a very cool moment. Thank you. All the way around. Thank you for me, too. We worked really hard just to make the show funny. Every single week, so that every time it went on the air, we never took for granted that we were a hit. We never took for granted that it was going to work. Uh, Even it went for 11 years. So we had a great time together, but mostly we were all business, you know, and the, the business of being funny, it is, it's very difficult to make something really funny. So it's not as easy as it looks. No, it is not. There's a famous phrase that dying is hard, comedy is harder. It is by far the more difficult of the two of drama and comedy. And yet drama is the one that always gets the fanfare. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself more drawn to the comedy. Yes. It is so much fun to make people laugh. When you actually get to that moment, when you hear the audience really go for the joke, it is just, I don't it's like heaven. It's like nirvana. It's kind of akin to the rock star being on the stage with other people I singing imagine, along the yeah. songs. If sure. there is such a thing as reincarnation, I would like to come back as Axl Rose. I would like to come back as Steven Tyler's harmonica. Really? So we, yeah, we have that in common. <laughs> that is a great image. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Oh, you cutie and pie. I, and I picture it every so often. Yes. Yeah, sure. You um, know what? I That really tickles me. <laughs> but that is my goal. Okay. Uh, and I'm working hard toward it. Yes. We can pretend. Um, sure, we can. Funny. <laughs> I don't know if this makes a difference or not now in television, because I've read that you were 28 when you got the role yes, that of, is true. of Fonz. I, I was 10 years older than Ron Howard. And Ron Howard was about 90 years wiser was. than I've ever been. But you were supposed to be considered teenagers, all not, of you, even though you were... Not supposed to be. I was uh, the oldest teenager in, in captivity. In captivity. You know, in, in good genes. You sure did. Yeah. They were very, rather tight. But, now they're um, Levi's. <laughs> he catapulted me, the Fonz catapulted me onto the world stage. Was knighted by the government of France. I, my stars on Hollywood Boulevard. My jacket is in the Smithsonian with my lunchbox. Pretty amazing if you think about it. I, I'm overwhelmed. Hearing about you, meeting you, everybody here, all giddy. They're well, with glee. People treat me with great warmth. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I love my job. As of late, you've been working with oh, Stocker Channing's one of the coolest, Rizzo on Greece. And yeah. I know there's a there's that But she's cool because there is she's just a great dame. In that movie, that's what we girls got. Yeah, right. Even though she was technically supposed to be the bad girl. Right. There was something about her. And I understand that you were you were offered the role of Danny. I was Greece. offered the role of the role of Danny and uh smart enough to to turn it down. John Travolta went on to buy a plane and I got some ice cream. <laughs> and all you got was this lousy T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to put in a call to him about that. That's just not right. No. So how do you deal with fans on the street when they see you and they come up? And obviously there's they could say all kinds of different things to you because you, you've done so many things. The, but, the I mean, truth of the matter is that it's generational because there's a group of people that call me the Fonz. There's a group of kids that talks to me about Waterboy. There's a group of kids that talk to me about the books, Hank Zipser, The World's Greatest underachiever uh, my partner Lynn Oliver and I have written now 10 novels in this series of this little boy who finds out on the first day of fourth grade that he has learning challenges and he's very funny and very resourceful 
So you've done the films yes. and the Happy Days series. I have a new and- film uh, with Adam Sandler. Again, I play his father. Julie Kavner, the voice of Marge on mm-hmm. The Simpsons, Simpsons, plays my wife. And it's called Click. For those who haven't seen it, can you give a brief description? Uh, It is um, Adam's version of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine what that would be. Yeah. Is it a little twisted? Well, it's twisted twisted. and he's a genius. Yes, he's a very funny guy. Yeah. Isn't it the greatest thing to be able to do what you love Oh, my goodness. And, you know, less than 1% of the population actually gets to do what it is they want to do. I I always say this is better than a real job. Absolutely. (laughs) So I know what you're saying there. Uh, And I'll tell you something. That is one of the things that uh, uh, that people say to me so what do you say to people who want to be in your business here it is you have greatness in you i don't know what that is but it is your job to figure out what your gift is dig it out of your center and then give it to the world as a gift and especially children who have learning challenges. One out of 5 kids has some sort of learning challenge and their self-image is damaged. They believe that they're not as smart or not as good as, uh, you know, the other kids who are achieving. And to those children, I say, you especially have greatness in you. And there is more than one road to success. You don't have to know geometry in order to become a great whatever it is you can do. Well, hug my hypotenuse. That's Hello. the only geometry I know. No, I but was... you know what? Your hypotenuse <laughs> is hot. Thank you. And your isosceles isn't so bad either. Oh, I'm just <laughs> one big triangle waiting for you. Well, at least we're geometrically correct. <laughs> Can you explain executive producer? I mean, people right, hear different. that term all the time. What do you do? What does it executive mean? Executive producer on television is different than an executive producer on a movie. In television is the last word. He runs the show. It is very Mm -hmm. important for an executive producer to be able to write. There are now very few executive producers who are just producers and not writers. Okay, so it's kind of a multitask thing going on. In the movies, it is more of uh, a director's medium. The director is God. And the executive producer usually found the material. It's just a title. You've done directing as well. I have. Here's my metaphor. Yes, Producing is like holding sand in your arms. You never stop the drip. You never solve the problems. Directing, you try to get all that sand into one box so that you get everyone going in the same direction. As an actor, I get to play in the sand. sand. All right. (laughs) And what a nice sandbox it is. Oh, my goodness. For me, it is. I realize it was 30 years ago. How do you feel about the fact that, like, sit on it and nerd at the time were these powerful uh, put-downs, and now... Yeah, that was part of the job, mm. and uh, I never said nerd, and uh, I hardly said sit on it. That was usually potsy. Just when it was really necessary. Yeah, yeah. Mostly I said A. I made a noise. <laughs> a vowel movement, as yeah. we like to call yeah, it. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Well, well I, I went, whoa, yeah. when I had a really good movement. Of course, because if not, you'll get consonated. Yes. How do you feel about the term jumping the couch I heard jumping the shark, but I don't. I've never that, heard of it. Jumping kind of the overtook jumping the shark. Ah, uh, well, see, jumping the shark to me is a non-issue because we were number one for six years after I jumped the shark. The guy made, a, you know, he made money and and he made a, a board game I think and a you book. You made more. I might have. Can't thank you enough for being here. You know what? This was an uh, absolute pleasure. I'm going to try it and see if it works. What? Well, you know how the Fonz would hit the jukebox or the light switch to get it to work? Yeah. Because I'm trying to start the next thing that's supposed to come up. So. What happened? Yes. 
No. No. No, I don't know. I hit the wrong place. But you like, are apparently. adorable. Oh, Rob's Thank up. you. All right. And you can hear why he's still so loved. He's a very, very sweet, lovely gentleman. Voted the most famous person I've met or interviewed, and I kind of knew this was, this was going to be the guy. Paul McCartney. Sure, Beatles, Wings. First, I met his publicists, Jeff Baker and Paul Freundlich. We were broadcasting live from what was the National Car Rental Center, now the BB&T Center. And I was sitting in the van, and they came to the van and sat in the van with me and did this interview. I'll play a bit of it. Aside from having a child, this is probably the most glorious experience of your life. So and you've you had a child? I've had loads okay. of children. Okay, I was just wondering... <laughs> And he's all he looks good, doesn't he? It is. Well, you have my baby, Absolutely. Jeff. Thank you in so much. <laughs> Very close quarters here. So, you know. <laughs> we're, in, we're in the back of a van. <laughs> we can do it. Can we do that if this we van's can. a rocking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting taken care of more than I ever thought you possible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're having babies in the back of vans here. Yeah. I mean, the joke of the whole thing, and I'm not talking about you, but the, 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 but, but no, no, the joke of the, the You joke, can tell we've known each other well. We have. We're having children here. It's pretty elaborate so you're production. You're also looking at 36 songs in a two and a half hour show, 21 of which are Beatles songs, 10 of which are Wings hits. You know, this is the songs from the soundtrack from your life. If you've had a life, it's the soundtrack of your life. And I'm about to make a life with you, Jeff, aren't I? Yeah. Paul, you had mentioned to me with 21 Beatles songs, Mm. they didn't really do that many Beatles songs as Beatles because their sets were a lot shorter. That's right. So you're going to hear more Beatles songs from a Beatle. More Beatles than the Beatles. Yeah. Themselves. Mm -hmm. How can you beat that? And I understood that. And a baby thrown in. That's right. (laughs) There's also a couple of songs in there that that he hasn't done. Uh, live ever, you know, Hello Goodbye, mm. Getting Better, mm-hmm. I guess he wrote in 67. Mother Nature's and, Son. Yeah. Well, We're in a van somewhere. <laughs> Down by the river. <laughs> you're going to fall in love with the reasons why you fell in love in the first place. And you're going to know while all that's happening that Jeff and I are... Making babies. <laughs> you can be the understudy. Yeah. The you won't need or the, that. Or the stunt oh, double. The, the stand-in. The stand-in. <laughs> For whom? <laughs> yeah, wh- whichever, whichever works. <laughs> Now, that's a show you don't want to miss, right? (laughs) Paul McCartney's publicist. And I think that maybe I had to interview them to see if I passed mustard to get Paul on the line. I'm not really sure why I interviewed them. And then soon Paul was going to be, you know, it's he's been knighted. Knighted, You don't bring knighted people out to a van. (laughs) Even though he was in town, he was staying at the Turnberry Isle Resort and Club, but he's not going to come out to sit in the van. Little background here. He was engaged at the time of this interview to Heather Mills. And it was right around, I think the only reason we know where he was staying, because it was right around the time of this interview that she had lost her engagement ring and they didn't find it till a few days later in the bushes under the balcony of the suite they were staying in. And there were all rumors that they had some sort of fight and one of them tossed it out. I guess she would have tossed it out the window and and they say no. So who knows what happened. But in any case, that's around the time that this interview happened. It was the final two nights of the Driving USA tour. And Judy T was out there alongside of me. And she remind, she just reminded me about this, of the merchandise. So she went over, since I was doing the live broadcast, she went over to the merchandise table to see what they had to offer. And when she came back with the, the items and the prices, I don't recall what struck me, but there was something on there. I'm like, what? Did you? I'm sure you've seen it. If you've been to a show, you go to the merchandise table and there's something that's just really peculiar. Like, do I really need a poison can opener? You know, like some strange item that has the band's logo on it. And if you're a big enough fan, you'd buy it. 
<laughs> Wait, uh, one of these days I'll whip out some of the Aerosmith stuff I have. It's like, what? So we started making up, oh, get your Paul McCartney oven mitts and stuff like that. It was, so we, Judy and I had a great, great time at the broadcast. And it was a very volatile time kind of behind the scenes, which is another story for another time. But that's what made it so memorable, too. And something else happened that I completely forgot until I listened to the interview. You will hear it. It happens at the end of this interview with Paul McCartney from May 17th, 2002. Hello there. Hi, is that Kimba? It is. Well, it's not every day one gets a call from Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm sure you don't often find yourself asking for a Kimba. <laughs> How are you doing, Kimba? Kimba is doing very well, and yourself? Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's a nice day here. It certainly is. And these two shows being your last, are you going to spend some quality time with us here in South Florida? Yeah, we actually just, about half an hour ago, we were on the beach. Very nice. Yeah, i got to do it. It's not <laughs> often we get to a beach like this, I must say. Do you have the sunscreen on, Paul? We don't want you to get burned tonight. It'll oh, hurt. Yeah, yeah, we do all that. We do it right. Just making sure you're using protection is all. Oh, thank you. Speaking of sunbathing and exposing parts, you know, in the two months of this Driving USA tour, we've learned some interesting things about you. Oh. You know, besides the running and the doing yoga to stay in shape, and that I hear that you like to check out the audience as they're filing in to see you. I used to do more of that than I'm actually doing on this tour, you know. So you just get here and go about business. Yeah, you know, what I'm doing now, like I'm on the way down the, the freeway, we'll get to the gig and then we'll do a sound check and then I do a bunch of things, see a bunch of people backstage. And then just go on and play for two and a half hours or so? Something like that. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, we're enjoying it. You know, in fact, with there just being two shows left here in Fort Lauderdale, it, it, we're getting early withdrawal symptoms. Well, I've heard you've thought of actually continuing it later in the year. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to talk to our guy today about taking the show somewhere else. I'm not sure, yeah. The show, as I said, is about two and a half, three hours long and has gotten rave reviews from everyone, especially celebrities like anybody from Tony Orlando to Alice Cooper, which are two names you don't usually hear side by side. But... Alice Cooper said, if you're going to see a show this year, go see McCartney's show, and just raves about the band being amazing as well. Yeah, we've got a nice band. Well, you know, we all come to play. We all enjoy playing. And yeah, Alice came to the show we did in Las Vegas. Yeah, he had a great time. He, he was very sweet with his nice comments. It was he's very a good boy. And he's an excellent golfer. I was just going to say, you ever play golf with him? I know he loves the golf. I haven't played with him. Actually, I'll tell you the truth. The other thing is, actually, I had my first swing of a golf club and since I was like a teenager today because there's a golf course right near where we're staying. So you've already um, been to the beach and played golf today? Yeah, what about that? I mean, you know, it's not exactly played golf. It's like about swinging at a ball for about half an hour, but it was good fun, yeah. You're already living like a true South Floridian. Healthy outdoors type today. I'm supposing you could do the swinging of the golf club with the bare feet, because that's the other thing we've been hearing, how nice your feet are. <laughs> you know what happened there, you probably know, is that like just one time, I don't know what I was doing, but anyway, Heather, my fiance, said, mm -hmm. wow, you've got nice feet. And I went, oh, yeah, really? Because I'd never really looked at them, you know, much too far away. Uh, certainly. And, you know, you can see them on the cover of Driving Rain, and I'm thinking maybe we should have noticed the feet years back on the Abbey Road, but that caused a completely different reaction. We were that too busy did, with that. Yeah. yeah. See, this is it. Yeah, no, um, exactly. I think all that stuff took away from my feet. And that's so a shame. said that. So, you know what? I've been whipping my shoes off like a, a madman. <laughs> and you will see many photos of me now with 
shoeless. We are thoroughly enjoying the McCartney toes. Uh-huh. Unless it's true what you said, that some very bad person changed your birth certificate, you'll be 60 next month. I think uh, someone has changed it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know quite what, I went, what went on there, but it was a long time ago in Liverpool. I think there was a mistake made. Seriously, that is true. Yeah. What about that? The feet look, what, like 30? Sure. I have. I've got 30-year-old feet. That's it. That is the secret. Well, I hope you're planning a huge shindig for the occasion. I'm going to enjoy myself, that's for sure. You have been knighted, animated, inducted, made honorary detective of the NYPD. So what, are they going to, like, canonize you next? Um, I'm hoping they won't. It's a responsibility. Yeah, there already is a St. Paul, I think. Or it's a city or something like that. It's been done. Well, maybe a superhero. Oh, that'd be good. They do (laughs) Film of me climbing up walls. Exactly. Earlier yeah. today, I spoke to Jeff and Paul. I think Jeff and I are going to be having a baby, so that's exciting news. Um. <laughs> Jeff is definitely in on tour mode. And he's male and you're female, so, you know, that really might well be happening. That's right. That's all that needs to be. He had half a chance. I would watch out for him if I were you. (laughs) Well, I already survived being alone in the back of a van with him, so I think we're safe. Okay. All right. Paul McCartney, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Okay, Kim. Well, let me say to all your listeners uh, who come into the show, hope we have a great one tonight. We certainly intend to. Hope you do. And the people who can't make the show, hope to see you next time. And lots of love to you all, guys. And happy birthday and happy nuptials. Thanks, Brad. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And uh, what say we... Can we play a song right now? Sure. Thank you. That's the voice of the person who hung up on Paul McCartney, I believe, twice, but that's okay. We won't give your identity away. Pretty good comedy. I honestly cannot remember who that was that was back at the station uh, running the board. I can't really quite place the voice, so you're safe, whoever you are. And yes, what do you say to someone who's changed the face of music? You talk to him about his feet. Of course you do. What can I tell you? <laughs> he seemed to enjoy it. I think it might have veered from what he's normally asked. Say, yeah, probably. Um, Thank you so much, though. This was fun to go over these. And thank you so much for putting in your votes. And I'm sure down the road, the other interviews will make their way into a story. The video version or vodcast can be found at youtube.com slash herkimba. Thank you for being one of Kimba's Herd. And thanks for listening to me, Kimba Radio Broadcast, Episode 17, Fame. What's your name? Kill me! <laughs>